So you ready, babe? Let's work it. Just work it. Okay, we are here again with the wonderful licensed marriage and family therapist, Melanie Cox. We just recorded an amazing 20 minutes full of so much goodness, and my computer died, and it didn't save. So we are learning, we are living, we are giving myself (laughs) grace. (laughs) I'm trying not to be so angry with myself. Um... So we are going to, I want to cover all those same points we just talked about because they were so good. So we're going to just record again for you, you listeners, and then we're going to get to a couple more points from Melanie too. Okay. Is that cool, Melanie? I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, um... Like I said, Melanie is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She and I went to grad school together, and um, she owns her own practice in Utah. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do in that practice and what you love to do? Yeah, so it was fun being in grad school with you, Mal, because Mal was just specializing and loved doing couples therapy work, and I thought I was going to love that too and actually hated it and did not have a natural knack for it. And And I actually didn't know I would like couples. I thought I was going to work with like teens and eating disorders. I, it's weird how you don't know until you try it all. Totally. Um, so Mallory kept working with couples, but I realized I really liked and worked really well doing therapy with kids and teenagers. Um, So after grad school, I started specializing with that even more. Um, Kids and teenagers are my main population, which ends sometimes doing some parenting things too, which I really love. Um, I accidentally found a specialization of getting a lot of ADHD and autism clients. They just found me or would stay on my caseload longer. I don't know how it happened, but I found that that's a population that I really, really enjoy um, also, I got an ADHD diagnosis and kind of knew, but decided to finally start <laughs> treating it, which was also a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, work with a lot of kids, a lot of neurodivergent kids. It's a great time. Beautiful. So wonderful. Okay, so I want to talk about what is play therapy for especially parents who have kids and have maybe had the thought maybe they would benefit from play therapy, um, but don't quite know what it is or how it works. Could you give us kind of a brief rundown of what it is and how it helps kids heal? Totally. So um, it's a very empirically validated, highly researched type of therapy, thankfully. Um, That helps me have more backing up when I explain (laughs) it to parents. Um, But essentially, the goal of play therapy Um, is understanding that there's a really big developmental difference between a three-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 25-year-old, right? And Mm -hmm. as adults, we do talk therapy and processing. I'm very much a verbal processor in my own therapy. Um, But for kids, it kind of puts them at a developmental disadvantage because asking a four-year-old, why did you feel anxious and sad? They have no idea how to explain that in words. And it puts them 
at a place where they're not as capable as the therapist. It makes a weird power dynamic sometimes um, and doesn't help them. It can help, but the goals of play therapy are to meet the kid where they are at developmentally, to find things that they're already excellent at, like being creative, like imagination, like um, playfulness and silliness or not being afraid of heaviness even and allows for those strengths that they have already to be where the therapist comes down to meet them at and meets them at that same emotional, mental capacity for kids to process emotions. I love that. So beautifully said. And what stuck out to me is what were the words you said that kids have strengths in playfulness? What were the other ones you said? Um, I mean, so many things, but the ones I'm thinking (laughs) of are like playfulness, creativity, um, kind of intuition with their emotions is one I didn't say, but one that I Mm -hmm. believe. Mm -hmm. Um, They're really imaginative. And so where an adult will often feel silly playing something that's not real, kids love that. They have a world inside their brains or in front of them that they don't have any qualms talking out loud about or pretending out loud about. They're really good at those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, that's so lovely to think about because for me, especially as like a very rational and like logical in my head person, like I'm not good at any of those things. And so it's making me think of like, how can I connect with Wells better in those ways where like with his gifts that I don't have, like Strons is much more playful and like silly and can do that with him really well. And so what would be some ways that parents can maybe implement some of the approaches? Like we obviously can't do play therapy unless we're trained play therapist like yourself, but implement some of the strategies or ways of connecting with our kids at home? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question and something that there's entire branches of play therapy for. Um, One specific one that I love, if people want to look into it more, it's called parent-child interaction therapy um, or relationship therapy, so CPIT or CPRT. Um, those are kind of different, but still get at the same thing. Um, and it's a thing that therapists, when they teach that really care about, because we don't want to have the monopoly on emotionally connecting to your kid. In fact, I love for parents to want to engage in that way and want to meet their kids in that level. Um, and so there's kind of a few things that will train parents to do or that parents can learn to do, um, And essentially the goal of these times together isn't to be like, we're going to process your trauma, kid. (laughs) But it's to like make the kid feel that for that time you're committing to them, they finally have your undivided attention. Um, And it doesn't have to be huge. Like I I think like 15 minutes for a lot of kids is like what their attention span even could maintain. Mm -hmm. Um, And doesn't have to be daily. Often we'll tell parents to try and, have it be recurring, but recurring at a schedule they know they can try their best to get to. So like, if that's once a week, great. If that's every other week, it's monthly, right? Like being honest for yourself and trying to show up how you can, right? Um, So what we call it when we're doing this really structured thing is we call it special playtime. You can use whatever words you want in your family, but that's just kind of how we frame it. And sometimes that means 
laying a blanket on the ground and this is special playtime blanket space or you go in a special room. Some parents will have specific toys that they only bring out during special playtime because it feels exciting for the kids, these unique toys. Um, but the goal of special playtime is number one, for that 15 minutes, the kid is like the center of attention, which is really hard to give a lot of times. If there's other kids in the house, maybe you schedule it as like a mom date or a dad date or a parent date in some way. Um, but um, there's a couple different ways to do it and obviously modify this for your own life. Um, the first one that we'll tell parents about is... Um, it's a weird way that we talk in play therapy, which is called like tracking. Um, but what we'll tell parents to kind of think of instead is almost like they're being a sports commentator. So in the playroom, mm -hmm. it looks to me like, oh, you're trying out that thing. You know how to do that. But it doesn't have to sound like a therapist. It sounds like a parent. You can sound like yourself. But let's say your kid's playing with like some blocks, right? And they're stacking the blocks higher and higher and higher. And as a parent, you're saying, Oh, you're putting that block on next. That one's going higher. Oh, it's getting even bigger. Oh, I feel myself getting nervous. Oh, I wonder how it's going to go. Oh, it fell over. And um, the goal isn't to like control the kids' emotions in this special playtime. It's to mirror as much as we can. So if the kid's sad about that tower falling over, oh, that's such a bummer. You worked really hard on that. You really love that tower. Or Maybe if the kid's like, I purposely knocked it over. Wasn't that crazy? Oh, you got it to knock over so big. That was really fun. I wonder if you're going to do it again. You don't have to, you know? And so that's, that type of special playtime is very kid-led. It's very, the kid is playing and it can work really well for parents who feel uncomfortable doing imagination because you don't have to in this type of play. This can just be you're playing and I am watching with all five of my senses and I'm noticing everything. Phones are away, TVs are away, distractions are away because this is the kid 15 minutes and a lot of kids really love that. Um, another direction you can take special playtime is more of a kind of like the kid is the director and you are an actor sort of special playtime. And so maybe they're playing with their special, like, what are some toys? Moana toys. Great. That's great. They're <laughs> playing with their Moana character toys. So <laughs> they, of course, want to be Moana, and you get to be Maui, the big toy. Yeah. And so Moana is doing all these cool things in her toys, and, and Moana keeps knocking over the pig because that pig is in her way. And as a parent, you can say, oh, that annoying pig keeps being in your way, Moana. <laughs> And the kid can say, no, they're not in my way. They're just playing a game. Oh, okay. I wonder if the pig likes that game. And you can kind of be curious about it. And then one of my favorite things of the kind of director mode is doing the whisper technique. Because you're obviously not in character. You're you're asking the director, should Maui come in now? Is it is it time to play yet? No, not yet. She has to get across the ocean first. Oh, okay. You let me know when Maui comes in, you know? And so it's kind of defaulting yeah. to this kid instead of me coming in and saying, Maui stills the pig. Goodbye. <laughs> and maybe the, maybe your child totally didn't plan for that storyline. That's fine in other play. That's fine for sibling play. But this is a place where we're giving the kid full control and full yeah. access. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And, and Wells is probably not... 
at that director stage yet. He doesn't quite do like mm-hmm. clear imagination yet or mm-hmm. speak, but um, <laughs> so that needs to probably come first for us to understand. But the first part, I feel like I will sit with him for like a couple minutes and be like, oh, stack, 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 like good stacking, like that kind of thing. But I love your like specifics of like, I'm picturing like what blanket is like, it's a super cute blanket, but it's like in the closet. We don't really use it. And I'm like, that could be like this little signal to him that it's like special time. And then to like, not just be like baby talk, like stack, 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 but to like more mirror track, like you're saying, um, in more detail and just like really attentive. I could just picture his face being like, she's like really noticing me right now. This is kind of interesting. Like it would be totally different. And he knows what we're saying, even though he doesn't speak much. And so he would feel totally special and like fascinated with how much attention that would be. So it sounds really sweet. And I'm super excited to try that. Yeah, and that's ultimately the goal of that special playtime is to, and that's what's happening in play therapy as well, is that we're telling the kids with our words, you don't have to say words back to me for me to get, for me to communicate that I get what you're showing me. Like I see everything you're showing me and that's like being validated in the best way. Like, wow, that Mm -hmm. makes me feel really sad, but you're doing it through the symbols in the play, through Mm -hmm. the story in the play and kids love being seen to that degree yeah because it's it's really intimate and it's really just like trusting that they're even showing you that and then mm-hmm. for you to speak back I get it I see yeah. what you're doing right even if you don't know exactly what it relates to they mm-hmm. don't care they're yeah seeing and that's what they want mm-hmm. it's so interesting and like just that human experience of wanting to be like seen by people you love and like understood and connected to And I love that because one of the things I've really struggled with as a mom is like, I can't be seeing and understanding and connecting you with you 100% of the time, like to stay alive and keep us all alive and like our house from like being a total disaster. Like I have to do other things, but Mm -hmm. I love the structure of, and I can like not only set aside attention when he's like demanding it, but also just to like enjoy and connect is pretty sweet. Yeah, I find that it can be a really good, like, boundary teaching, boundary practice, too, to be like, oh, you really want to play that game? Maybe we can do that during special playtime this week. Or, like, I would love to get to do that during special playtime. Right now, I really have to make this dinner, but you can talk to me while we're here. It's just going to be different for playtime. Remember, we do that on the blanket, or we do that in the living room corner, or you know, kind of being able to have totally normal boundaries with your kids. We'd all love to hang out with them 100% of the time. We'd go crazy. It's not just <laughs> And it can be so hard as a parent to want to like, oh, I don't want to ever say no to you. But it's actually really good practice for the kid to learn, okay, in a crisis, yes, my parents will be there. But okay, if I don't really want to have this time by myself, oh, that's uncomfortable and kind of growing into that and learning that skill isn't a, it's a good practice in a really, really safe way. I love that. I'm excited to try that. I will let you know how it goes. Cool. Um, Okay. So what about, that's like a lovely, sweet, fun way to connect with little children. Uh How do we connect with them when they are struggling 
like upset or angry or, you know, like, especially like, I think the hardest emotion that Strons and I struggle with Wells is when he's like frustrated and we don't know why. Like, that's really challenging to be like, I don't know how to help you or talk to you. Like, how can we better show up for him in those moments? I mean, yeah, I'm sure you guys are trying your hardest and doing the best you trying can. Trying our hardest, yes. I don't know how it's going, but we're trying. <laughs> and it's so confusing when there is that developmental difference, right? Where you know they're seeing things, you know they're mm-hmm. feeling things, mm-hmm. but it's hard to be like, oh, wow, you feel really emotions pillow word. Right. You feel really frustrated that that didn't go how you want it. You can say that to kids, but they're not going to be able to initiate that. They're not going to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, a parenting philosophy I really love, and all parents have their own, and that's great and correct. Humans are different. But a parenting <laughs> philosophy I've always really loved um, is... This episode is brought to you by Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has truly the softest bedding we've ever experienced. We got it earlier this earlier last year and it's changed our life. It's so soft and comfy. Cozy Earth bedding is temperature regulating and is available in viscose from bamboo and in linen. We have the bamboo sheets, so cozy. They also make comfortable, gorgeous loungewear, and all of their products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo. If that's not enough to sway you to try these sheets, they were featured on Oprah's Favorite Things, so that's a big stamp of approval right there. Today, Cozy Earth is providing an exclusive offer for my listeners with 35% off site-wide when you use code MARRIAGE. That's 35% off anything from Cozy Earth when you use code MARRIAGE. Are you ready to stop arguing in circles and start connecting in conflict? I still have openings for my couples coaching sessions available to all couples no matter where you live. My coaching program includes four coaching sessions to help happy couples like you navigate conflict with confidence. These sessions will help you finally stop shutting down or blowing up during arguments and start feeling heard, understood, and connected each and every time you argue. There's also bonuses, including a relationship vocabulary bank, relationship security assessment, feelings wheel, and 25 pages of other couples resources. I've already coached couples from all over the world, and it has been so amazing to help them learn the skills and tools needed to navigate conflict better. Learn more at malloriewolfgram.com coaching, or send me a message on Instagram, and I'd be happy to chat more. Actually, John Cotman's book, it's like the only parenting book he wrote. Yeah. Um, I think I read that It's, gosh, what is the title? I have it up here. Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, And what I really, really love about that one um, is that, like, at its core, it's talking about a thing that a lot of parents care about now, too, like emotion coaching. I really like that the book has like a quiz in it where it can help you understand if you incline more towards being dismissive, Mm -hmm. being more of a distracting parent, Um, not to be like shaming, but just to help you know, yeah, in my growing up, my parents distracted me a lot or yeah, growing up, my parents were like, that's not a big deal. And that's what my brain naturally goes to, to help you know where to step in. So I think that book's really useful for that. 
And what I love about emotion coaching is by nature of the word coaching, we can't do it for the kids, but we're trying to help start scaffolding things for them, right? So it's hard for us to see in that example to see Wells get frustrated and trying to figure something out and he doesn't know what to do. It's probably so much bigger for Wells inside his little brain to be like, if I don't figure this out, what's going to happen? Is the world going to end? Will my parents stop loving me? Probably he doesn't actually worry about that. But like his brain doesn't have the confidence yet to be like, I'm going to make it through this. It's, it's really flooded and it's really scared. And so um, another book I really, really love is one that's been really popular lately called Good Inside. I can't remember the author's name, but she's gotten a lot of um, good recognition. A lot of people will like watch her on social media as well. Um, but her main theory is that everything kids are communicating is data, right? And everything that they're expressing with an emotion is an emotion that they're feeling, right? Even if it's like, oh, this kid's being so manipulative or, oh, they're pushing my buttons so bad. Why are they doing that? This is a question I get a lot. And I feel pretty good saying that like most children under the age of 10, especially under the age of five, aren't being manipulative. They might be poking into patterns. They might've noticed our personal weak points in parenting, but they're not being manipulative to try and control you. And um, anyway, tangent, I can talk on another time, but um, <laughs> I really love how she talks about good inside because it's starting from the assumption that my kid is good, right? Which kind of tracks how you were talking about Wells right then. Like, I know he's a good kid. I know he's trying to tell me something, but one, I don't know how to help him. And two, I don't know what to do with him when it's so big and so flooded for him. And so um, there's a couple different directions. Something she talks about really well is um, like, oh, what does she call it? High, highly sensitive kids is what she calls them um, or big feeling kids. One of those two things where, um, the typical thing that I'm going to say now doesn't always work right, right? But um, ideally in those moments, <laughs> these are such hard things to say because they sound dumb, like they're not going to work, but like catered to our individual kid, sometimes they work. So um, in this first sense, when the kid's starting to get a little building, you can see their emotions starting to escalate or rise. Um, I always teach this like, validation practice and it's a lot of words which can be adapted differently for kids but it's validation I use for all age groups where it's like you're feeling blank it might even be based on Gottman but you're feeling blank and that makes sense because 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 um and so if it's with Wells and you don't even know why he's feeling frustrated that can be really hard to be like you're feeling frustrated because I can't read your mind. I yeah. Don't know. yeah. But but to go into that place of okay, you're feeling mad. And that makes sense because and maybe just talking about what you're noticing his body do. So mm -hmm. going on the external things that you can see, right? Yeah. You're feeling mad. And that's really hard because 
your hands aren't working how you want them to. And that mm-hmm. makes it harder. Or you're feeling mad because we keep talking, but we can't guess what you want. And that feels mm-hmm. so frustrating. Right. And so it's, it's not really going to like, especially as young as well as be like, yes, you got it. Thank you. Now I'm calm. Right. But, right. but that scaffolding we're doing in validation. I love that. The scaffolding. Like it's not, it's not going to just, cause I think I had a little bit of an illusion of like, I'm great with emotions. That's what I do all day. Like my kid will just know how to say emotions before he knows any other words. And it's like very, <laughs> very reality check that that's not going to happen. But even as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm doing more of that than I thought of like exactly. just reflecting what it looks like he's feeling. And like, mm-hmm. it's hard to be in the car right now. Like you want to get out, but you can't get out of your car seat. And like, we have to keep driving. Even if he's screaming, like I'm saying those things and it doesn't make him stop screaming, but hopefully it's creating that scaffolding is like, she gets it. And that is why I'm frustrated. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What it's doing is helping the kids start to learn words for it so that when they feel it in the future, there can already be that bit of soothing of, Oh wait, last time I felt really like this in the car and I felt really stuck and freaking out. I mean, this is like not exactly the thought process, but That's okay. over a decade of time, yes. eventually a validated kid in this way learns, Oh, what did that feel like before? What did my mom say again? She, she said I was frustrated yeah, this feels like that time. I think this is frustrating. And so they start to learn how to name the emotions, which is so helpful to communicate. And then part of what we can do next as parents is starting to say, okay, what is that emotion needing? What is that emotion trying to do? And yeah, I wish this is things that we were taught specifically. I'm still learning. I know. I know. It's, it's making me think like none of my clients, well, of my clients maybe have that scaffolding and it's just, I hope it's a general generational thing and a way larger percentage will have it in the future. But most of my clients, especially male clients come in and can barely put emotions to what they're feeling, like barely put the words there because they never got that scaffolding. And so I love that thought of like, Okay, he's not pointing to his feelings chart, and it'd be awesome if he did. <laughs> but <laughs> it's helping his brain and his body slowly be able to put words to it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that, like, it's hard because in so many well ways, Wells is not the baby he was when you started with him, right? Like, when he was an infant, he couldn't do anything by himself, right? Like he needed you to move him. He needed you to feed him. Like his vision was still increasing and growing. And he is so much different. these 17 months later than he was then he spent, we don't see it, but he spent a ton of time working on his vision, right? Like mm-hmm. he was working constantly and had to take naps. He was so exhausted mm-hmm. because his eyes were learning how to be eyes and mm-hmm. his hands were learning. How do I do this thing I don't have to think about it but Wells really had to think about it yeah and emotions are this like next level where now that he can engage with the world he's starting to feel things about the world now that he has opinions of his own he's starting to realize everything isn't pleasant for him and that's hard (laughs) (laughs) yes that is hard yeah no I love all that that's super helpful and 
Yeah, I'm also just thinking of the example. I just took him to the doctor to make sure he didn't have an ear infection, which it doesn't look like it does, which is good. But they had to, like, dig out all this earwax and, like, keep trying to see in the ear. It was, like, a 15-minute process, and he was just screaming. And I just kept saying – and it probably is because I I have learned so much about emotions, and I I work with adults so much about emotions that it it felt – easier to me but it's probably not as easy for strands with stuff like that to be like this is really hard this is so frustrating you want it to be over but we have to keep doing it to keep you safe like just putting words to it and it felt pointless because he (laughs) continued to scream like it didn't calm him down but I love that idea of like hopefully with a thousand experiences like that it builds Mm -hmm. that scaffolding that will help him as an older child teenager adult yeah. Am I getting one it of, close? Yeah, you're totally talking about it. I mean, one of my favorite examples that the internet gives is when, like, there's those TikToks of a little kid, like, <sighs> like doing deep breaths, where it's fully a mimicry of adults, but they're also learning in that mimicking, which is always how kids learn. Oh, this changes my body when I take those deep breaths, right? And And when they're mirroring that for other kids right oh it's okay buddy you're sad it's okay like oh my gosh my favorite things are so So cute that's so cute I saw this kid on the playground once when I was with Wells and it was like Uh probably six-year-old and he like had his hands out in meditation like fingers together with his eyes closed and he was just sitting there on the playground and I was like Wells went up to him. This is something I was also going to ask you. Wells likes to hug without consent. (laughs) He will approach any child for a hug um, or adult, but especially kids that he could like knock over with his body weight. So I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But um, Wells went up to hug him. And so I went up to ask for consent. I was like, hey, is it okay if he hugs you? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, are you meditating? He's like, yeah, my dad made me mad. And I was like, that's so good to be meditating. And I'm so curious how they taught him that skill. Like, I've never seen a child meditate on the playground. It was amazing. But yeah, it's like as we millennials and up are like working on our own emotions, our kids are like watching and hopefully benefit. Yeah. And I think I think there's probably like some emotions where it's like, yeah, for the most part, if I'm sad, I probably want someone to like cuddle me or hug me or hold me. Like that's pretty standard. If I'm happy, I probably want to like have people to share that with. Those emotions are pretty like, okay, I can guess this. Other emotions maybe are a little more individualized or harder to know what to do with. So like for some people when they're angry, being still doesn't work. Like if I sit more, my brain is just going to spin. I need to do something totally different. For some people, okay, I need, I mean, it's like you talk about all the time with like couples taking breaks. Like when we model that for kids, they can start to learn, oh yeah, I remember that time my mommy yelled because all mommies yell sometimes. <laughs> like, and, and she said, you know what? I need some time here's what I'm going to do in my time mm-hmm. by myself. And then a kid, I mean, I wonder if that kid at the playground had a parent who was like, I'm all frustrated with you, dude. I'm going to go meditate. Yeah, totally. Probably. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, 
Okay. I, I don't want to take too much of your time. So what I'm thinking is, let me ask you one or two more questions about kids and then maybe we can have you back about ADHD. Would that be okay? Okay. Maybe Strong's going to be a part of that conversation as well. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we are working, or Wells is like the most sweet, kind, loving, happy child. Totally. We had parent-teacher conferences at his daycare the other day, (laughs) which is hilarious. Um, But the... Only um, constructive feedback was they're working on gentle hands with him, which we know, like we see it with friends and and at the playground and all that, um, where he will go up, like I said, and and just kind of like bear hug people until they like fall over. (laughs) And he's like trying to just like love on them, even if they're a total stranger. But some kids get really upset about it. And then he'll also... He never hits when he's mad, but he'll hit when he's excited. And I noticed, like, when we started seeing that happen, and he mostly does it to kids, like, occasionally with us, but he's not angry. He's not, like, wanting something. He's just, like, excited and doesn't have impulse control probably. But, like, there's shame around that of, like, oh, we don't want to hit her, like, da-da-da-da-da. So I'm curious, like, and you can touch on maybe those specific if you want, but even in general, like with when there's behaviors that don't align with like the most healthy thing, but it also is like developmentally appropriate. Like how, how does one handle that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a very big question. <laughs> it's a really good one though. And I think it's, oh, it's hard, right? Because I think in some respects, people are like, just let kids be kids. And I get it. Right. Like, Yes, there's developmental stages and things that kids get and things that kids are still learning. Um, And there's certain things where it's like, okay, how do I explain to a not even two-year-old that like, yes, in our family, we don't have a ton of physical boundaries, but that's unique to this place where we are. And hard to even explain, but hard to teach in a way where a kid knows. And so... Um, I think in those different engagements, I think for a long time, I think as I was being raised, people were like, oh, don't teach it yet because they don't get it. Like a kid won't understand, so don't start. And, and I get that. Also, probably it was exhausting to try and teach a kid things they weren't doing. Um, but I think I think actually the opposite is true, that like the younger a kid sees things younger a kid is exposed to things and the more time their brain has to start to understand the concept and so um I mean like all families do their own families well but if this is a thing that like Wells really had to start working on or became a problem like in therapy I'd be like okay like how do we make that more of a game or more of a fun time where maybe in a specific time you and Strons are playing with him and, and maybe you already do stuff like this too, but like every time you do, ah, and Zerbert and like love on his tummy, you say again and like wait for him to respond in a nod or a yes. And, and there's probably things happening again, but making it really on purpose so that it's, remember, we always ask people before we give them hugs or before we touch and like, 
making it a thing that happens repetitively with you so that he's learning, oh, this how humans interact here, this how humans interact here. Um, and it's, it's a little different when he's playing with kids than when he's playing with his mom and dad, of course. But like having, having those interactions catered to what it is the kid is needing at that time, right? I work with autistic kids and ADHD kids all the time who have a lot of difficulties in sensory play. They like really big pressure, right? Like as a person with ADHD, I like my weighted blanket because it's pressure, right? It's heavy on my body. It soothes my body. And often neurodivergent kids also want really intense play, right? They don't just want to be like, I'm playing tag and softly touched your hand. Like I want to push her big because that feels big to my body sneaking pressure. And, and so if it is a thing where kids needing more sensory input and they're showing that with their bodies, learning how to redirect to an activity that is bigger pressure. Oh, we can't push people down, but, but maybe we can go do big jumps. Two-year-olds can't jump, right? But like, what is it like on to like bounce your body upside down or like what if you put your head upside down and does that give you a different kind of pressure or like let's spin really fast because that gives your body core like I think it's proprioceptive pressure and like that's being pressure in the middle of your body and so it's it's helping the kids learn the skills of oh you're showing me you need something that's totally good I love that you need something when we're at a park when we're with other kids just pushing an arm really hard like you'd love to do probably isn't going to have the outcome you want. Probably a kid's going to think you're hitting him. Here's another thing to do to get a deep pressure feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And that that too, like I, I just, one of the experiences I've had in new toddlerhood parenting is like, even that is scaffolding, right? Of they're not going to be like, oh, and then like tomorrow, never do it again. It's like oh, yeah. you're going to have to repeat these things so many times to kind of yeah. help them build awareness. And it's making me think too, like Strons and I always ask him, like, can I have a hug or can I have a cuddle? And yeah. that is probably helping build scaffolding of even though he's still doing it with other people without asking which he can't ask yet. Like maybe by the time he talks, he can have a better sense of how to ask for physical touch or things like that. Does that make totally. sense? Yeah. I love that. That like, maybe he's doing it in his way, yeah. but he's using the same communication models right. yet. So we're not seeing it yet. We're yeah. like, in my mind, I'm going like this first. I didn't move. So you get I'm punched. letting him know. <laughs> yeah. And then the other part you said was kind of redirecting, basically, like your desire isn't bad. Let's just play it out differently. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot, too. Oh, there's so much. It's <laughs> such a wild journey. <laughs> um, okay. Is there anything else that we haven't gotten to that you wanted to get to today? Or do you feel like we touched on many of the pieces I think we've touched on a lot of them I do have another thing that I'll talk about a lot in parenting um I, <laughs> is this funny thing where like as a play therapist and as probably just the woman I am I 
will like go into a falsetto kind of like teacher preschool voice Disney princess voice and I'll have parents be like Mel I, I can't be a preschool teacher like you and I'm like oh that's just how I do it automatically <laughs> I'm doing it mm-hmm. but like that's not how it has to happen like I there's a woman I can't remember a person online who like will do um like this is still gentle parenting because the core of it is gentle. My voice doesn't have to sound sweet and syrupy for it to count. Like there's times when we're going to be stern with our kids. We're going to have loud voices with our kids. We're going to be a human around our kids and maybe not even say it how we want to, where it's like, that doesn't mean I failed gentle parenting or emotion coaching. The goals of all of these parenting strategies is that that's part of it, right? We use that as part of our teaching. Like, hey, you remember that time you lost your cool and screamed? Me too. I just did that. (laughs) And it helps to, when we're conscious about it, when we're explaining that to kids of like, hey, I know I did that. And that might be confusing to you. I can explain what my body's doing. Isn't like abusing them, but is showing them like, here's how this can look. And here's how I do things after to make it better. And how beautiful to have an example of that part too, that can be so hard for a kid to like, well, now I feel bad and I'm uncomfortable. Oh, that's right. My dad showed me when he got mad, he came and said, I'm sorry, you don't deserve to be talked to that way. I'm working on not being as mad, but I want you to feel safe. And I didn't do a good job making you safe then. I didn't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And that's, Often, actually, it's a kind of trigger that couples will go to therapy as they start noticing their kids, noticing their arguments. And that's one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm always like, I'm not a childhood expert. I'm not a parenting expert. But that's really healthy for your kids to see you have big emotions as long as you talk them through and, like, repair and, like, work through it in a healthy way. They can learn from that process. Is that kind of what you're talking about? thousand percent yeah and people are so relieved they're like oh we don't have to hide it all and I'm like no no please don't hide it all (laughs) because that develops other issues so it's like good for them to see a big range of emotions and how to work through them healthily yeah yeah I love that okay I have taken plenty of your time and we'd love to have you back to talk about the ADHD stuff I know I get questions about that all the time and I'm like I'm not an expert I have a friend who's an expert so maybe we'll (laughs) do that in a couple months um but can you tell people where to find you and your practice and especially people in Utah if they want to work with you or have their kids work with you um how can they find you yeah so I have a therapy clinic in Riverton, Utah, called Not a Robot Therapy. I'm still getting the website underway, um, but it'll be there some point. Um, and do you have like, would you want to share your email or like how can how can they find you? Instagram. Yeah, so they can email me at melanie at notarobottherapy.com. If you're okay. a bot, it's just gonna go to spam anyway, so don't right. waste your time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do also have a an Instagram that isn't talking really about these parenting things as much. There's accounts that are really great, but I just 
like talking about the actual ones more than doing it hypothetically. But um, my Instagram account is not a robot underscore therapy. Perfect. Um, we mostly and talk they could about reach out to you there though, probably if they yeah. want to work with you. Yeah, it won't be like immediate, but like sure. if you need more information for okay. now, that works great too. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking and dealing with my technical difficulties. <laughs> well, I took 20 minutes while my computer rebooted today for a virtual call. So oh, I get it. The worst, the worst. Okay, I'm honored. I'm honored that you get it. Um, I'm glad it happened early on, at least, rather than after the whole thing. Well, we'll take it. We will take it. Okay, thank you, Melanie, and we'll have you back soon, hopefully. If you like this episode, we'd be super grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really does help other listeners find us. And make sure to find us on Instagram for more relationship tips at Make Marriage Work. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.